0: Uh, boys and girls welcome to the first edition of the poker spirit podcast i am joined here by my lovely co-worker and second in command uh, mr michael Grunow. Uh michael you are a mindset coach inside of poker spirit and we've been working together for what is it is it three years now
1: i actually thought about this in advance and it was uh, august 2020 that we started working together
0: okay so Help the people who aren't good at math like myself. How how long is that?
1: That puts me in the trap. uh, Two and a half years, right? But I started uh, working in your program before that. So early 2020, I would say we know each other.
0: Okay. And uh, yeah, so you were a a spin and go player going through the Poker Mindset Mastery program to advance your climb up the spin and go stakes. And then uh, I was looking for an assistant and you decided to take the position and the rest i guess is history. So now you are a mental game coach you are working with guys playing all the way up to 2550. Uh how many clients do you have at the moment?
1: Good question. Uh it just changed recently. Uh I would say I talk to about two people every day so round about give or take 10 people ongoing like one-on-one clients and then I do group coaching and I have some irregular clients etc.
0: And I have to say, like for the people, like most people listening to this probably don't know who you are unless they're already a part of Poker Spirit. But the reviews for Michael's coaching are, they're rave reviews, you know? Like it's very rare that a person who's worked with Michael says, you know what, I'm going to give up my my spot in the roster. Um, and we don't have a losing player that's working with you. So I'm curious with people listening who maybe want to emulate some of your process. I mean, why do you think it is that all the guys you work with are getting stellar results.
1: Um, I would say in this particular, particular case, it's because of the relationship that I built with them. I don't think that any of the methods that I apply are special. I also don't think you could read or watch about them somewhere else on the Internet. I, in fact, did the same. I worked with you and then I read a bunch of books and that's kind of my process. And I did a little bit of further education. But it's all out there, but why it works so well in my coaching is because I built a strong relationship with them. And I just received feedback recently from one of them who told me he never had a coach before who shared that openly about themselves. And that's what makes it a really good experience with me.
0: That, I can relate to that. I mean, when I first started doing mental coaching, I was working at, at Bitby. And one of the things I really felt made a difference was the relationship that I have with the players. It was like... Um, for a lot of the guys i'm talking to them about things and i'm in the back of my mind i'm like this seems really important to you like how many people in your life have you ever spoke about this with and i and i felt like in many cases the answer might be between zero and two you know so just having someone that you can honestly share the contents of your mind with is like uh kind of foundational because otherwise you, you're sort of trying to build a house but you don't have the foundation you're building on a hill or building in the mud, you know, you, you don't really know where you're starting from. You don't know what, um, what lies in your mind, but you're trying to sort things out. Um, so yeah, I think coming together with somebody and just having that foundation of like, I'm here, this is where I want to go. These are the things I continually struggle with that I try to get right. And I've been failing for a long time, hold me accountable, help me find strategies. Like just, just uh, have of open honest relationship with a trajectory and accountability I find to be, um, very effective as well. All right. Uh, one question I have for you. I know that you do a lot of, um, like when you work with someone, it, often the conversation is going to go at some point to their relationships. When you talk about the relationship being the focal point of the coaching, relationships in general with our friends, with our family, with our, our significant other, these is like one of the things that affects people's happiness the most in life. Uh, and as you know, you um, there's this research article about the four horsemen of the
1: relationship
0: apocalypse. Have you heard about this before?
1: It sounds, uh, it drinks a bit, but explain it a bit, okay. please.
0: So so for the people listening and for you as well, um, there's this famous relationship study guide. Uh, well, it's an institute that studies relationships called the Gottman Institute. And uh, one of their most famous conclusions and articles was they did this huge like uh, research study and they found they were able to predict when a couple will get a divorce with 90% accuracy based on four factors they looked for. Hmm. And I'm gonna, from memory, I'm pretty sure the four factors are stonewalling, contempt, defensiveness, and criticizing. Hmm. Uh stonewalling is like when you don't let the other person get a word in. Defensiveness is like obvi- kind of obvious. Like someone tries to tell you something, you're like, you know. Um criticizing is always telling the other person what they're doing wrong. And contempt, actually, they they rated this as the most severe. Like this is the one that will absolutely uh, mess you up. And it's basically having already formed a negative opinion of the other person. So like they're talking and you kind of just roll your eyes like. You just over it. You know, you no longer believe in them. Uh, that's kind of how I would word it. And when they the more of these traits they saw in either party in a relationship meeting, like they'd have a couples counseling, and the more of these things they saw in the couple, the more likely it was that they were doomed. So I I always I had this um this article linked up in the I had a, like a PDF I would send to new people I worked with whenever they wanted to do coaching around their relationship. And this was like the top link that I sent them to read and start to look out for along with like, you know, the five love languages and, and some of these other kind of things that once you understand them, once you understand them forever, and it like makes your relationship better. So following the explanation, what I wanted to ask you, what do you think would be the four like horsemen of the poker apocalypse? Hmm. Like if you're a poker player, What are the four things, the four traits that if you don't let these go, if you're exhibiting these on a daily basis, you're just going to not reach our potential?
1: That's an amazing question. And I won't be able to put it into precise and amazing words like you did with this study. And maybe it won't end up at four. But what jumped to my mind straight away, the first thing, what I just discussed with the one-on-one client that I had before this call um, is... I would call it thinking over process or thinking over action or whatever you want to call it. So people who start doing mindset work end up at a place where they feel like, yeah, okay, I, I worked with my coach for six months now. I fixed most of my problems. Most likely they won't come up again. And then they they will come up again. At latest once the pressure level rises. So they play higher stakes. They are under financial pressure or whatever. And And in these cases, those guys often rely on, oh, yeah, I got it right in the past, so it will stay right in the future. But that's wrong. Unless you have a strong system, a process, whatever you want to call it, something like a warm-up routine for your poker game, for example, that will ensure that you won't forget, that you won't fall into the traps from old days, you will kind of leave it to what I call thinking. So the knowledge somewhere in the back of your mind that how I want to react to mistake tilt or something. But unless you have a clear process for every single session, every day of your life, you won't get it right. There will be the day where you will kind of fail again. Yeah. So I don't know. Process overthinking could be the theme. That's, that's my number one.
0: So it's sort of like people take what they know for granted, but they don't know it to the level of mastery where they can't get it wrong yeah um so say you're you used to have a problem a lot and now you mostly solve the problem and it's not bothering you on a daily basis so you're like okay that's in the bag then stuff starts to go sideways in your life or in your career or you're in a high pressure situation and this thing that you took for granted isn't there for you because you haven't been holding it you haven't been sort of respecting it anymore since you kind of thought it was all done is that about right
1: yeah yeah that's it yeah
0: reminds me of a quote like to uh to think and not act as to not yet know yeah so, and uh also there's levels you know you hear uh you hear ufc fighters say this all the time actually thinking of one in particular after a after a fight but you know they get they get on the microphone they say oh there's levels to this there's levels to this game well it's true in poker too right like there's levels to executing what you know and being able to play your a game like you know there's the final table the big 109 and then there's the final table of the world series poker main event and they are not the same so being able to um to bring your a game you know ideally in poker you're always trying to climb the stakes so that means you're always going to be trying to bring your a game under new more challenging conditions so it's sort of like life keeps bringing you back to that same lesson to learn the the deeper path to learn the the next level of that lesson is that ring
1: true with your understanding. Yeah, 100%. It kind of leads to a second point or what What could be my number two would be being complacent. Um, what I see in, in some people that I worked with in the past is that for them, it's such a boost to their profitability and ability both in life and in game when they start working with me that after a few months they might end up at a point where they feel like yeah I figured it out it's it's fine I, I reached a sufficient level but I think especially in poker you always need to keep the growth mindset and it doesn't matter how great you are at, at, at a certain skill, you need to keep pushing um you also need to keep the balance don't get me wrong like I'm, I'm the like people will be annoyed when i say this again but i recommend everyone to take at least one day off per week and have this as an iron rule for your life yeah to to have time off to keep the balance but what i can see is especially once people are breaking through to high stakes they think the rules don't long, no longer apply to me i don't need to keep working as hard anymore i don't need to have these systems i'm fine and then they slack and then it's dance privates. So complacent, complacency, if that's a word, I don't know, that would be my number two.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, for anyone who thinks Michael is just a, you know, whiplasher, um, you had me uninstall Telegram and I think Instagram from my phone uh, and Discord. So you had me uninstall my work apps when I was like kind of overworking. So I, I would say you definitely do believe in balance. Um, with complacency, it's... Interesting that you bring that up because it, it does sort of tie in with the the previous point, right? Like people want to get to a, a level where they think they're done, mm-hmm. and I wonder if this is like a, a masculine thing or like the way our culture is that there is something like there is a a flaw in perception where people think that to be working with somebody else to be getting help, so to speak, with anything is some sort of a weakness, which. I mean, it's just absolutely stupid. I mean, imagine if Elon Musk was like, I'm going to send rockets to Mars, but I don't want help, you know, hmm. no employees, no staff, just me, you know, I got a lighter, I got a, I got a twig here. We're going to, we're going to get this done. I mean, to not work with other people is, is like incredibly foolish. And even if you're sitting in your basement grinding PIO Sims, I mean, you didn't build PIO Solver, right? You didn't build the tools. You're working with other humans and the results of their labor, so I think the, it almost ties into the lone wolf mentality, right? And that, um, you can continue to grow by working with new coaches, by getting new feedback, by getting new, uh, new perspectives. But when you hold this, like, I'm supposed to be able to do it on my own kind of core belief that's maybe even unconscious, you just sort of are always waiting for any kind of collaboration with somebody else to, to end. And I mean, you see this with um, different types of people that join the stable, right? Like someone comes into our team and uh, I I always thought, do they have like a long-term mindset or a transactional mindset? Like someone comes in and they're like, okay, what do I do here for a set period of time to get what I need and be on my way? And then someone else is like, this is a place I can grow. And they're not really thinking I need to get in and get out. They're thinking like, how can I become a part of this community for the long-term? Like maybe work toward being a coach or, you know, just a pillar in the community. And that's kind of the difference. Do they have a short-term mindset? Are they thinking about how do I get to my goal for next year and that's it? Or are they coming in with a long-term mindset? Like I need to grow over the course of my career, over the course of 15, 20, 30 years. And how can I do that? And that's sort of, um, when you have sort of, you're playing an infinite game as Simon Sinek calls it in his book. I think I pronounced the name right. uh, You don't, you don't get complacent because you know there's always the next growth. You're not trying to get the growth done so you can stop, right? Um, but if you're kind of playing a, a short-term game or you uh, just don't have the big picture, then you're always kind of trying to solve a problem without a fire. Oh, I don't focus well, let me fix my focus. Okay, now I'm good, leave me alone. You know, um, whereas it doesn't mean you always have to work with your specific coach forever, you know, but you should always be doing something for your growth. You shouldn't feel like, okay, and even, I mean, sometimes that's relaxing, right? Like sometimes the most important thing you can do for your growth is, you know, cancel all your meetings and take three weeks off. It's, um, but it doesn't mean the journey's over. It just means it's time for like a, clean slate and a reset.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It, it brought me to my third point and it kind of also adds to the first two and I would call it professionalism and mastery. And what I mean by that is, the ideal client wants to outgrow me as their mindset coach. Uh, and I believe that's the approach that I took when I started working with your program, that I felt like I want to be like this guy who's coaching me. I want to even know it better in some areas like this guy. Yeah, And that's really what I want to inspire my clients to, that they will read all the books that I read and more, that they will try all the habits that I tried and suggest and more that they will come up with new conclusions and like outsmart me in some areas. And essentially the ideal client is someone who turns out to become a mindset coach themselves. They like, like reach that level. I'm truly happy. And maybe to speak to that further, even like some, I, I had these experiences where people felt like they got the value they wanted from the coaching with me. And that's great. That's, in my opinion that's the best thing that can happen to to a coach and one of my clients recently added to that and said michael even if we stop doing sessions because your coaching was so great i bring you three other guys it's it's a win 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 okay so even if it even if the client outgrows you that's kind of the goal of any good coach in my opinion that the client out, outgrows you and that's one thing, and then the the trap that some people walk into is that they try to limit themselves to poker mindset. But mindset coaching is not about poker only. Mindset coaching is about transforming your whole life. In my opinion, that's my approach. It's a, you could call it holistic. So once I'm done with the most urgent leaks in the poker game of someone, I want to move on to their personal life. I want to move on to their dramas from the past or whatever. I want to move on to their business ideas, etc. So a trap that people walk into is to think I'm fine with poker mindset, so I don't need to do any mindset work anymore. But that's wrong. Like everybody on the planet, in a certain period of their life, will need counseling, therapy, whatever. And yeah, that's that's a trap. And th- that's about mastery. Yeah, and professionalism is, I think, as a poker professional, if you truly want to perform at the top, at the elite level of poker in in whatever format it's an ongoing process. You will never get rid of mindset coaching. You will never get rid of this. You will always need to stay in it because times change and uh, everyone else is getting better and you change as well, not always in the right direction. Sometimes old negative behaviors crawl back in. And so you need to stay on top of it. And that's what I mean by professionalism.
0: Uh, So much to unpack there. That was a really, um, really great kind of explanation about um, professionalism and mastery. Uh, And there is such a difference between the kind of person with maybe a transactional mindset, like I wanna get this fixed and that's it. And someone else who's like kind of in it for the growth. And you see this in in life. It's almost like there's two types of people in the world. There's people who, um, I I don't wanna say have done the work because as we know, the work is never over, right? But then there's people who haven't started, Mm -hmm. right? So when it comes to personal development, when it comes to mindset, when it comes to understanding your traumas, understanding what happened to you in your life and like how to how it affected you and how you can grow from it, and how you can choose to be different in the world um, and not just be the result of your formative years, there's people who have like not got on board with that. Like they've never opened up to anyone. You know, they're not, they're not open for it. They, they're like there's too much pain there that they don't want to look at. And then there's people who have generally done the work to some degree and are now able to sort sort of start tackling deeper work or uh, new work or new things that haven't happened yet but from a place of progress from a place of like they know what's possible because they know what they've already overcome that they used to think was unchangeable you know if you grow up with certain habits certain patterns in your life and you just think this is how i am this is how life is like I have this problem. My doctor said I have this. I take this pill, like whatever. And then you really start to look at yourself and figure out how this identity got built. And you deconstruct the identity and you build a new one where maybe you don't have, you know, you know, ADD or whatever bullshit. And now you're like, holy shit, I can kind of overcome anything. And that's why you realize the work is never done because now you're like an architect, you know? It's like before you were living in the slums and you thought that's the whole world. Now you got outside, you built yourself a house, you are like, all right, now let's go build a castle. And, um, you know, the, the most, the funny thing that came to my mind is when you talk about like, you know, people who don't really have an interest in doing the work outside of, you know, how do I win two more big lives for hundred? Those people aren't the people you want to hang out with. You know, they're not the people you want in your community. They're not the people you want to go to dinner with. They're not the people you want to watch sports with. Like people who haven't done any work on themselves and are still reacting to their kind of formative patterning from high school, they tend to be like just less enjoyable to hang out with, less enjoyable to communicate with. You know, they don't see themselves like the way that you're able to see them, you know? And and obviously we don't know what's going on inside somebody until they open up, but it's just its just a bit limiting, you know? The depth of a relationship or a connection or an emotional bond you can have with someone who's kind of like still playing level one, if that makes sense. One other thing you talk, talked about, you said like an ideal uh, coach becomes a mindset coach. And this is something like, I really like when that happens and people go in that degree, but at the same time, there is a line. Like there's definitely... I mean, you're a professional mindset coach. You don't play poker anymore, right? Yeah. So for somebody else who's a professional poker player, first, one thing I run into a lot, because I like to play poker. I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you. You know, I have a social life. I, I run a stable. It There isn't time for everything. You know, if I wanted to read every book that I would like to read, I need to live for an infinite amount of time. So people do have to make choices. And as a coach, I think one of the key things we can do is kind of help synthesize information for our clients you know there may be when, when one of my clients is going through something often it's similar to something i've been through before and i think about the books that help me the most but then i know usually i have to choose because they're not going to read all of the ones that i read because they weren't full-time of being a mindset coach they didn't have the necessarily the time or the volition to do that some do um, but i'll often try to think like which one is the most important and like get them to promise me to read that one And then which two others have like five key ideas that they should understand. And then either get them to watch a YouTube summary or I'll just explain the ideas and like talk about them with the person. And maybe at some point in their life, if that situation kind of revisits enough times at different levels that they want to further their understanding, they may end up reading several of all the books, but they may not, you know, they may just read one, take some key ideas, like the 80, 20 from a few others. And and that's absolutely fine. You know, like I'm not here to sell books. I'm here to help people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um So that was just something that kind of came to my mind as you were speaking. Like I, I agree very much that a coach's job is to number one, accelerate the progress of somebody. I mean, when I say work with the coach, get help. It's not that you couldn't do it on your own. I mean, you could build PIO solver from scratch, you could make an ICM calculator in a in an Excel document instead of using HRC. It's not smart, but you could. Um it, it's like you could figure out all this stuff from square one, like potentially your coach might have had to. Um uh, more likely they lean than other people who were coaches before them. But you could just get fast tracked, right? You could get told exactly what book would help you the most, exactly what video would help you the most, exactly what practice in your daily life would help you the most. And um you know, why you wouldn't want that, right? Uh, But in conclusion to this point, I, I do think a coach's job is to make themselves obsolete. And one of the things I recognize from coaches that I not even just worked with, I mean, there's coaches that I had, but there's also coaches like people like Brendan Bichard, read all his books, listened to his podcast for years, saw him speak live, you know, met him, but I never like worked with him one-on-one, but I can still hear his voice in my head. You know, if I have a problem, I can think, like I read that one question in my journal. Like if I was my own high performance coach looking at my life, what would I tell myself? And it's always like, here's Brendan on my shoulder. You know what I mean? And and I think that's something that if you work with a coach, you start to get, you start to be able to know with relatively high reliability, what their perspective would be in this situation. I mean, One of the poker minds I've listened to the most who I've never, again, worked with one-on-one is Phil Galphon, right? Listened to, like, all his videos on Run at Once, stuff on Blue Fire Poker from back, like, you know, when Half Today's regs weren't even 15 yet. Um, Like, I've been following Phil Galphon forever. And in some ways, I'm very grateful that I'm fortunate enough to think like Phil Galphon just because I've listened to him talk so much, you know? It's the same reason I like listening to people like Naval. Like, it helps me think like them. And um, is, uh, that process, I think, is only enhanced and accelerated by working with somebody one-on-one.
1: Yeah. Maybe to add to that really quickly, um, I, I'm not saying that I want all of my clients to become poker mindset coaches. I, I just want, like, ideally they would be able to coach other people on a surface level at the end. Like, I have one client in mind in particular, uh, Res, who is probably... Uh, like getting to this level yeah but still he would need to dedicate a lot of his time and not play poker anymore which he should because he's fucking amazing yeah um so i i'm aware of that Uh, i wanted to add one more point to to the previous three that we that we discussed uh which i'm known for and i don't want to get it left over no it's not the fourth it's not the fourth. I have something. I have something prepared for the fourth. But for the first three, I just wanted to add. Like you gave me the name Mister Consistency at some point, and when we talk about professionalism and uh, mastery, I think this is really crucial. And I know that both, like we, for example, we have some arguments sometimes over consistency. But my approach uh, to professionalism is leading a very consistent life. I, I truly believe that if you want to be a master in anything, you most likely you will need to work like for your whole lifetime with like daily efforts on this field or in this field. And I'm like, I don't want to um, argue against what I said earlier with keeping the balance and like having off days. That's important as well. But I still think it's like for me as a coach and for my players to to be very successful at, at high stakes, I think it's very important that they put in daily work yeah, while having vacations, while having days off. But to have this mindset of I'm I'm still in the same process since day one. I'm still working on this. Like I don't want to slack because then I fall out. I like, I never want to be like feel accomplished. I never want to be like fully satisfied in a way where I lose my attraction to the game or to my profession or whatever. Yeah. So that's what I mean with consistency. I, I love being a coach every day, even on the hard days. I still love it. I look like that's something that I learned from the Mind Illuminated about, like in a book about meditation. He he said like whenever you doubt your meditation practice, look for the joy. And I think that's an amazing guideline for your whole life um, to look for the joy, even on the tough days, because that's what what keeps me in this process of being a mindset coach. And that's the same that I wish for every one of my clients to to look for the joy every single day to stay consistent and even on the tough days still do your warm up because you know. You you know all the good reasons to do it. Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that. I mean, you, you said when you started working with me, uh and, and when anyone works with a coach, the goal is to outgrow the uh outgrow the teacher. And I think when it comes to consistency, you've uh obviously, you know, squashed me. Michael, for those guys, how how long is your meditation streak right now?
1: How many days you've consistently meditated for? Eight hundred or nine hundred something? That's so... pretty nuts. It's pretty much since I started uh, being part of your program, I would say.
0: I mean, imagine this. You you teach someone to meditate. They meditate every day for three years. And then you look at your habit tracker and you have meditated in like four days and you feel like an, like an asshole, you know? <laughs> Michael's making you feel bad for three years. Uh, you've also done the Wim
1: Hof breathing
0: exercise every day since first learning how to do it, right?
1: Yeah, roundabout, yeah.
0: yeah. More impressive. Um, I mean, it only takes a few minutes, but still, it's kind of wild. Cause it's more like active.
1: Yeah. But it's very like to, to, to speak to what I said before about consistency, even on the hard days, I still, I pull through, I do it and I look for the joy and I try to see the purpose in this. And I try to see why I made this decision once when I, like, since I had good reasons back then and they haven't changed since then, I just keep going.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. In fairness, I think for most people, they get tripped up by hangovers and so you don't drink. Right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that helps as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: it probably helps. Yeah. All right. And let's uh, let's figure out what is your fourth horseman you've been holding yes. on before.
1: Yes. I prepared something for that a few years back already. And that's something that at some point in my coaching, every single client will see. And usually it's when they tell a bad beat story or something like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I want my clients to like, this is the hour in their week where they can bitch around so to speak, but still I want to give them a friendly reminder. And this is the sign that I show to them when they complain, focus on the things you can control. And in some way, this should have been my number one, but I forgot about it. So it's not my number four to me, like what I, what was the most impactful in my life, maybe in the work with you and uh, building this team and everything was to adapt some or to, to adopt to some of the teachings from Stoicism and for me this distinction between the things that i control and the things that i don't control this is one of the biggest life realizations ever and it's it's a it's a thing that yeah helps me with with my biggest struggles like when i had personal losses in my life when i had clients who suffered a lot or whatever bad events happened it it gave me a lot of comfort in a way to look at this sign on my desk and like to 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 realize okay it's horrible what happened but i i have no control over it what i can control is my reaction so let's make sure that i have a like that i show a good reaction that i'm empathetic that i'm taking the time to to grieve whatever is needed this distinction was huge and it first started with uh, a worksheet from your course which was called the circle of uh, circle of control i believe and i i still have it uh, um archived and uh every now and then i look at my circle of control from back then and it's really funny because weather was a part of it i believe
0: (laughs) Uh, so what michael's referencing if i was good with like zoom whiteboards i would try to draw it here but i'm a fish so i won't try Uh, but basically it's like just a, a very simple sheet of paper in the course that has two circles one inside the other like an egg and in the small circle it's like things you can control and then in the bigger circle it's you know, things you can influence. And then outside all the circles, the whole rest of the sheet of paper is like no control. Hmm. And then they have people write down like where the things in their life that they think about go. And you find out pretty quickly that the things inside the where you can control is relatively small list. And most everything else is either influence, like you know, poker is all you can influence by studying, um, or like politics, no control, you know. Um hmm. uh, And then you ask people, where do you spend your attention? Like, what are you thinking about? And and most people don't even ask that question. What do I think about on a daily basis? But you start to ask yourself, anytime you get upset, what am I thinking about? And then look to the sheet and you're like, it's like your attention is like a flashlight. If you're shining it outside the circle of control, you're going to have a bad time. You know, like, oh, no, this person won the election. Oh, no, this is happening in the world. Oh, no, like, you know, it's raining. Oh, you know what I mean? And you just, because what can you do about it if it's out of your control? You're just allowing something that you have no control over to make you unhappy, you're gonna be unhappy. Um so I guess if we we're looking for the the horseman of the apocalypse, is it is it lazy focus? Is it like hmm. disorganized focus? Uh you know, attention. They say where uh attention goes, energy flows. So it's kind of flowing your energy into places where it just goes to die. <laughs> um, yep. Poor energy management. It, there's a, many ways we could word it. So if these are your four horsemen so to speak i guess to 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 kind of flip those for the four positive things that people the antidotes right like the the, the ways to defeat the horsemen to overcome this like thinking action loop where you uh like what would you say like is it to to take action to take massive action to take consistent action
1: yeah it would be to develop a system for yourself that ensures that you stay on the path like uh it can be certain habits that you do on a daily basis or it can be like having your your sessions that you play in poker structured in a way where you always have a warm up you always have a cool down you always spend your breaks not on the phone but doing a little meditation a cold shower whatever you have systems in place to ensure that you take action instead of overthinking or like yeah letting your energy f- go into nothing so to speak
0: and so, it's, again, coming back to, like, not letting your energy go to nothing.
1: So mm-hmm. it's,
0: like, systems to stay accountable.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of wording it. It's easy to repeat
0: when you're stressed because you have, like, the the blueprint. Yeah. Um. For not becoming complacent, would you say stay curious?
1: Yes. I would say a couple of things. I would always try to be surrounded by people who want to be successful in a similar field. So that's why I think our team is so wonderful because you're surrounded by people who uh, can give you some inspiration, even when you are at rock bottom. Yeah. So be surrounded by people who are like curious, Um, expose yourself to information that is outside of your bubble, I would say is another thing. So like read books that you like on on fields that you have no clue about. Read about opinions uh, from people who can formulate them in a really great way that are polar to your own opinion, yeah, polar opposite to that. And um, maybe also like uh, t- t- speaking to to poker players in particular, don't stay on the computer all the time. Like <laughs> go out, uh, do something else. Like don't be one dimensional. Those are three things that come to my mind.
0: We have systems for action and accountability. We had stay growing and curious. Um, you know, network and who you're around can help you do that, reading new books, going outside. Uh professionalism and mastery is kind of already written in positive language, right? Like yeah. be the perfect, will work toward mastery, and then focus on what you can control. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. Michael's template for exponential poker success.
1: You always were well. really great with names. <laughs>
0: it's amazing. I'm so terrible at marketing considering I'm pretty good with names. I just play, like play, sound fun to say. Uh, when I was trying to get my dog to stop uh, like begging for food in a restaurant, you like take a spoon and you kind of like gently tap him on the head because they don't like that. And they understand like I did something wrong. And then in the future, you can just pick up the spoon and they immediately stop, like, barking and being a dick. And I call it the spoon of fiery justice. <laughs> That's my greatest name, I reckon. Amazing. <laughs> Fire justice, uh, excellent art on a magic card. Um. All right. So I had – I it's funny. I actually had my own answers, which are uh, sort of different, Um, and I wonder – probably your answers are better. So now I'm going to, I'm going to feel like a fish going through mine. Um, But the things that I looked, um, looked at, I think yours were sort of um, higher level problems. Mm -hmm. Like you looked at, or, and and I think there is a difference between the four things that hold back your average person from making it to, to low stakes and like beating $0.50 dollar versus like the, the main things that hold somebody back from, Becoming a winner at mid stakes versus maybe the things that will hold someone back from being a high stakes crusher, or even things that will hold somebody back from being a happy person, mm. right? Because there are some people who succeed in poker who you wouldn't want on your team, you wouldn't want to hang out with, and like they're not happy with their life. And I think a lot of the things you talked about would help a person in that situation. Uh, and I think a lot of the things I mentioned are, are traits you might see in that person. Uh, That might make you not want to hang out with them. So when I looked at the things that I see that um, I really feel hold poker players back, they're sort of, I feel like pretty obvious. Uh, But mine were entitlement, Hmm. superiority, which I guess you could say is like, I don't want to say ego because you have to, everyone has an ego, but like this feeling that you're better than other people. Right? Like a deluded ego. Like it's the whatever the opposite of humility is, because humility, I think, is like the golden trait for a poker player. Like, if you can be highly skilled and humble, you're gonna make really profitable decisions. Game, game selection, uh, you know, choosing your spots, choosing what to do to advance your career. Like humility allows you to be honest with yourself and make Mm -hmm. rational decisions. Not having humility causes you to delude yourself. Take bad spots, you know, not get the help you could otherwise benefit from. Like it's just the um, not having humility is is a huge horseman for me. Hmm. Um, you know, entitlement is sort of obvious. It's one of those personality traits. Nobody wants to hang out with someone who's entitled, you know. Uh, and if you people don't want to be around you, then you're cutting off your network. And, you know, being surrounded by other people who are growing is the thing that's gonna help you the most. Uh impatience, right? Hmm. can't learn what you think you already know that falls into superiority again but also just like you know i want to be there tomorrow so i don't get there at all if i understood the process and it's going to take some time i mean if somebody comes in and their focus is all over the place they're not going to be focusing like a monk the next day but if they meditate every day in six months they might be a whole new person so it's kind of like you got to be committed to the process um and i think people who just you see a lot it goes back to that short minded thinking. You see a lot of this like, you know, transactional, like just everybody wants the magic pill, right? Uh everybody wants the the thing like, oh I can't focus. You could learn to meditate or you could take Adderall, you know? And there's like there's meditation people and then there's Adderall people. Hmm. Um and then the last thing I think is like narrow mindedness. Hmm. And this is basically just the antithesis of a gross a growth mindset, right? If you if you're not open. You're not open to share things with people. You're not open to connect with people. You're not open to, I mean, in poker, in the you know—in the terms of making money, you're not open to strategies that are different than the one you're using, right? Like you think what you know is right and you can't learn what you think you already know. So just being narrow-minded is like, I mean, narrow-minded keeps people playing on regulated sites when the apps are softer. It keeps people playing no limit hold against Russian bots when they could be playing like, you know, five-card PLO against whales, you know, it keeps people, you know, running the wrong race because they don't want to think about what could be more profitable. Um, and you know, for some people it might even keep them in poker when there's something else in their life that might be more compelling. Right. Um, so yeah, these, I, I basically wrote that. I think all of these traits lead to isolation, you know, entitlement hmm. makes you lots some people want to be around superiority. Same thing. Impatience, same thing. Narrow mindedness, same thing. Um, and ultimately like the more isolated you are, the more unhappy you're going to be, the more likely you are to fail or not reach your potential because, you know, being surrounded by other people who are having the traits that we want to have is going to help you have them and help you go further. Uh, so ultimately these things lead to failure and misery.
1: Doesn't sound good.
0: No. All right. So I feel like for anyone uh, who's interested in poker mindset? That was probably a lot to digest, and there's probably things they're nodding their head to, and they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's probably other things that they're like, hmm, didn't think about. But I feel like that was a pretty good map of some of the most important things to
1: avoid, and um and things to embrace. Is there anything
0: else that you want to leave the people with?
1: Uh, maybe just. Last thing to mention, I think my top four could change any day. Like it's kind of the essence, but I most likely missed many important things. That if I will listen to this in retrospect, I will say, Oh, how could you miss that? But I think that's a good takeaway that uh, this is not, there's no map to poker mindset. all of this can be inspiration, but it depends on each and every individual player what's the most important thing for you in your career right now and in your life right now. So I would always treat it like this. Every every information about poker mindset is something like you need to work with it. But, and there's no magic pill. There won't be the one coaching that you need and then you will break through to five ten or something. No, you need to work with yourself on a consistent basis. You need to enter the process and never leave it again. And that's the only magic pill that is.
0: The magic pill is being on the path, you know.
1: As Yoda said, probably, yeah.
0: Yeah. I loved Yoda. My wrestling coach in high school always used to reference Yoda. He claimed that Yoda was like uh, Steven Spielberg's way of imparting his own philosophy to people because Steven Spielberg was supposedly a very, like, philosophical person. Um, Yeah. yeah, He claimed to know him. I, I don't know. But um, do or do not. There is no try.
1: Yeah. I
0: like this one. One that I always remember from my wrestling coach. I think about this every time I lift up weights at the gym or I finish a set and it's time to get to another one. The sooner I get on the train, the sooner I get home. You know? It's, it's good, like man. so many people still didn't get on the train. You know? There's like... They don't know how to be in a relationship. They don't know how to organize their schedule. They're just kind of, as I like to say, flying by the seat of their pants, right? They don't have a strategy for life. They don't have a strategy for for dating or for relationships. They don't have a strategy for their home life, for their habits. They're just flying by the seat of their pants. And it's like, the sooner you get on the train, the sooner you get home. The, like the sooner you start to try to put together a strategy for yourself, either t- alone or with a coach, the sooner you're going to have like an optimized working fantastic strategy that allows you to reach your potential to be effective to get you know way more done in less time which is what most people want right
1: amazing said i've
0: got some fun questions uh i have two fun questions um okay so what would you say to our listeners want to step up their poker game you know they've been listening to this conversation they're inspired they're realizing some flaws they're realizing some areas for growth Like, what would you tell somebody who's listening to this, what should they do today to start being on the path to becoming an elite, like, high stakes poker player and a happy human being?
1: Use the momentum. Once you are inspired, don't let let it go to waste, but start with something, like, start with an action today. Uh, don't think but take action so start with one habit that we mentioned start with one book that we mentioned um i don't know reach out to one person in your network that you know will be good for you anything like that not taking like I, that's a question i like to ask my clients and that i learned from our sales coach joe Maku. uh how is not taking action serving you right now
0: oh it's not right
1: exactly so take action today it doesn't matter at which point, just pick one and just start.
0: Reminds me of my kind of system for how habits take shape, which is you start with inspiration, right? And then you get momentum because you do something, you take some action. I'm inspired today. I'm going to go to the gym. Get some momentum. Oh, okay, I went to the gym today. Maybe I can do that tomorrow. And then you start actually making some shifts, discipline, do it for a long enough time that it becomes normal for you. And eventually it becomes a part of your identity. Eventually I'm a kind of person who goes to the gym or I'm a kind of person who meditates every day. I'm not a kind of person trying to do this new thing or like mm-hmm. trying and diet or like, Oh, I'm going to change. Like now I'm this and I used mm-hmm. to be that like the identity shift that we all want. It comes at the end of basically the inspiration, momentum, discipline, period. And if you, if you take the inspiration you carry it into some momentum, you get the snowball rolling, and then you do it for long enough. You do it even though it is hard. Even when the snowball hits a rock, eventually you get to the top of the mountain, you can build your new snowman and be a new person.
1: Yes, that's it. So start today. All right. Last
0: question, and this is a personal question. Mm-hmm. Um, if this was the last opportunity that you were going to have to to speak to the good people in the world, if you were going to be beamed back up to whatever planet you. Uh, <laughs> Came to visit us from what are the three life lessons? That's not to be anything to do with poker at all, but what are the three? Can be a quote, can be a you know, lesson like, what are the three things you would want to tell people that for whatever reason?
1: Again, we we'll, tomorrow I would give a different answer, maybe, but today, uh, focus on the things you can control. Number one, number two, something that I learned from Joe Maku as well. Uh, when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. That's what keeps me humble personally. And that's what keeps my ego in check. Yeah. And third one, uh, very simple, like uh, don't, yeah, again, like um, kind of about the ego. Um, there's more in the world than you. We, we discussed a lot about self-optimization and like to become a better poker player, etc. But I think to become the best poker player you can be, it's important to, strive to become the best human being you can be so not only focus on yourself don't focus on like just being the most profitable poker player but also focus on being the like nicest poker player the 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 best person to be around the the person that will have a good plan for their life even once they accomplished everything they want in poker so yeah be a good human being as well (laughs) that would be my final message
0: you don't want your tombstone to read won the most money in poker at your <laughs> empty funeral?
1: It won't like it won't matter in the end, I'm afraid, that I won the most money in poker. I, I think it will matter most if I had a good influence on other human beings.
0: You never showed a girl at nightclub your sharpscope?
1: I never went went to the nightclub, I'm afraid. <laughs> All
0: right, well. Um, the second one, again, that was it, when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. That's a, That's a great one. I, I, um, I, I, it reminds me that there's a famous quote coming to, uh, bring it back to relationship coaching, never marry a person until you've seen them with bad internet. Mm. You know, it's, it's easy to be Zen when the internet's working, but you know, when you start folding pocket Kings pre-flop, it's, uh, you know, that's the real mindset challenge, you know? Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, thank you very much for the time today. Uh, you know, I certainly learned a lot. I, I refreshed a lot of things as well. And I hope this was beneficial for our audience out there. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on again to uh, see if your if your takes have changed. As you said, they they fluctuate on a daily basis. So, mm.
1: All right. Thank you as well. Thank you.
0: We'll speak soon because we speak every day. Yes. Take care.